Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and go to whatever podcast app you use and hit that subscribe button. If you like to watch your podcast, we have a YouTube channel as well. Go check us out there and leave some likes and some comments and get in on the conversation. While you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about Raised on the Radio. A little side note here for you musicians and artists out there. If you like the beats you hear on the show and need some inspiration or would like to get a hold of one of these beats, make sure to hit up our good friend Ace Ha at Ace Ha Beats on YouTube and at Ace Ha Beats on SoundCloud. We are pumped to announce that Raise on the Radio has teamed up with Morphogen Nutrition out of Columbus, Ohio. This is a company we have been following for a long time and have used a lot of their products. They literally have everything you need to give your health a boost, whether that be physically or mentally. They have products such as Calm that helps manage stress and anxiety. They have products such as Party, which is a pre-party harm reduction supplement for when you know you're going to have a cocktail or four. They have pre, intra, and post-workout supplements, nootropics, multivitamins, mind and mood-boosting supplements, etc. Best of all, all of their products are GMP certified, manufactured in the USA, and third-party tested so you know you are getting a no BS, scientifically validated, effectively dosed supplement that you never have to question. Just go to MorphogenNutrition.com and use discount code ROTR for 10% off. It is that easy. Raised on the Radio's listenership continues to grow with every episode. We are always looking for great sponsorship and collaboration opportunities. If you or anyone you know has a business they are trying to grow and want to jump on board with us, email us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com. We would love to connect. If you would like to go hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out through email or on the social medias. You can reach us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com or on the Raised on the Radio's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. We also have a website where you can find all of our content. Head on over to raisedontheradiostl.com. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, do not hesitate to reach out. Now, let's get into this episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of the show. I am Colt Barcato. Patrick Blair with me in Zoom land as normal on very, very little sleep. I just want to call that out ahead of time just so people know that you're not like dying. You're just... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm really not. Yeah. I was going to put on sunglasses. I probably should have. Like I slept maybe an hour last night. Yeah. Uh, Tom's with the territory when you have small children powering through though but yeah i'm i'm delirious at this point dude i feel i feel so fucking faded it uh well, like, that, that could make for a great episode so let's see what happens here need some cocaine yeah um so you did a solo episode last week and you talked about yeah. you talked about cat williams and him kind of throwing people under the bus and uh let me ask you something did you listen to any of that the interview like it was a two-part interview that he did with shannon sharp did you listen to any of it, the majority of it? I listened to pretty much the whole thing. Okay, so did I. Yeah. I listened to both parts today. Yeah. Uh, has there ever been an easier interview for anyone? I mean, Cat Williams just shot out of a cannon, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shannon like was trying to reel him back in the beginning. And it, at one point, he was just like, all right, I guess I guess I just need to shut up and just let Cat go because he's not going to stop. <laughs> he was relentless yeah, and he was planning on getting all of this off his chest. <laughs> Yeah, it's difficult to make Shannon Sharp speechless, and Cat Williams at most most points during the interview did that, which I thought was so funny. Um, Cat Williams had a purpose, for sure. He knew what he was doing, for sure. and I I said on the the last episode, he's a calculated individual. I think he's, I think now comedians are coming out and being like, he's a smart guy, he knows what he's doing. But I think people have kind of underestimated the. Well, I here's how I said it. I said he typically stays out of the spotlight until he needs to be in the spotlight. Right. And then he just, like you said, goes full force and just drops bombs. Yeah. And I think a lot of the things that people have been talking about is like, well, what was true about what he said? What was not true? I'll say this. The more I hear about truth, I want to point something out too. I was the first to talk about this. I was, the, uh, you can, it's, it's, 
it, there are receipts on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. I want to point this out. But a lot of these comedians have since come out and talked about it. And they've questioned, you know, what was true, what was not. And I think a lot of comedians are coming out a lot. I mean, I say a lot, but I mean, I've heard a few say that they don't think he's lying about most of it. They think he's being truthful. Now, he did say some things where I even was like, all right, really? Like saying like Harvey Weinstein offered to suck his dick to put him in a, in a movie role. Stuff like that. And yeah. Like, you know, and I, I talked to my wife about this. I was like, didn't he like to get his dick sucked? Was he really sucking dick to use his power? She was like, well, when you have that much power, why wouldn't you just do whatever you can to feel that powerful? I'm like, well, does sucking a dick really make you feel that powerful? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Especially Cat Williams' dick. No offense, Cat. Don't come at me, please. I don't want. I don't want that smoke. But Jesus. you know, a lot of these guys are saying. I, uh, I think most of it is true, which is funny because a lot of you've seen a lot of the people you've seen speaking out just about it. Some of them have stated, "I wish he had talked about me." Right. Like that's how impactful. Like the video has sixty million views or whatever. Right. Or whatever it is, like 60 million and counting. I think it's probably more. It was 60 million like two days ago. So he knew what he was doing and all of his ticket sales. And he sold out every show on this next tour. He's added shows. So he's a master marketer if that's what he was doing it for. I also think if he was doing it for that, fine. But I also think he just, hey, Somebody wronged me or somebody said something that I don't agree with. Let me go ahead and address it. And I know because you haven't heard from me in a while, people will pay attention. That type of thing. Yeah, but the weird thing. I talked about. But the weird weird thing is, is like most of these people that he's talking about, this is like 10, 15, 20 years ago stuff. I mean, like the whole Cedric the Entertainer thing. Like what? That was like early 2000s, wasn't it? Or was that late 90s? It was, but Cedric the Entertainer was recently on Shannon Sharp's podcast talking right, about it. Right, right, and that that was that so, was kind of uh, like almost uncomfortable too, because he was almost like bad mouthing Shannon Sharp when it wasn't really Shannon Sharp's. Like it wasn't his. I issue. mean, he was, he, you know, because well, he was like, I get you what know, he was doing. Yeah, because he was kind of like, well, why? How could you let these people come on and lie to you know and lie on your show? And he's like, well, how how was that my fault? Like they come on and they say what they're going to say. I can't, I don't, in the moment, I think they're telling me the truth. You know what I mean? Like that makes no sense. Well, that's the thing. You have two ways of, well, look, you and I do a podcast. We typically, we don't have guests that often. And we certainly don't have guests of the stature of a Cat Williams. But some of these guys who have podcasts, especially in the entertainment world, when they have somebody on who makes claims to, whatever the ones that truly want the clicks and want the attention will call them on it yeah but a lot of these guys are afraid to do so i'm not saying shannon sharp was afraid to do so i think shannon sharp also plays a role where he's like i just want to be a a part of the community and i think a lot of those guys go on the podcast they're like yeah that's shannon let me go talk to shannon for a little bit you know not thinking that he's gonna really call them on anything that they say I think Shannon's also smart enough to realize at the very beginning of that, that I don't have to do much here. Like this is going to be 100%. gold. This is going to be gold. All I have to do is let him roll. And, and I, yeah. you know, and I could make this worse. Like all I want to do is let him, let him do his own thing. Yeah. And, but at what point do you question? So like he starts talking about Kevin Hart and, and I've heard comedians say like, albeit did it come from a sort of, nasty place when he was talking about Kevin Hart perhaps but I've heard a lot of comedians be like he wasn't wrong but that's but what he was saying about Kevin Hart there's nothing necessarily wrong with that he called him an industry plant you know and the main reason he brought it up and again if you do your historical checks on this you know there was a uh, I guess a documentary that came out about Fat Tuesdays at the comedy store which was the historical urban night or black night however you want to call it at the comedy store. You know, Cat Williams was one of the guys who regularly was a part of that show. And they did this documentary and they mentioned names like Kevin Hart. And Cat was like, Kevin Hart was never a part of that. 
Kevin Hart was in New York while that was going on. Right. So why they mentioned him, like I understand he eventually came to LA and became Kevin Hart, but he didn't do that through the comedy store. So he was being very protective of his territory and everybody's like that, you know? Um, so I've heard a lot of comedians be like, yeah, I mean, Kat's not necessarily wrong about that. Did he have to say it? Maybe not, but <laughs> we're all talking about it. So he wins. But he also, he also, uh, kept, he also kept saying, uh, talking about gatekeepers and like people are, people keep trying to say there's no gatekeepers in the industry, but he's like, yeah. but there seems to be a lot. And, you know, in my opinion, like the, these guys are the ones that are holding the key for most people to get things done and to, and to succeed in their career. You know, and and he's calling out some of the biggest names. I mean, Kevin Hart is one of the biggest names in comedy. Um, oh, maybe, without a doubt. I mean, in I guess the the film industry more more than stand up, but stand up too. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, I would argue that he's the top of both. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, but when it comes to Cat Williams, Cat Williams has maintained through all the controversy that he's had. He's maintained his career and he, I mean, he still sells out everywhere he goes. He still has a rabid fan base that mm -hmm. love him. Yep. And that's all through stand up. I mean, he, he's had the movie roles, he's had the appearances, he's done all of these things, but it's literally, we want to go watch you do stand up and tell jokes. So he talks about having receipts for all this stuff. And I mean, like I said, a lot of these comedians have kind of backed him on it. Like, yeah, again, did he need to say it? Probably not, but he's not wrong. So with the Kevin Hart thing, kind of people had his back. With the Cedric the Entertainer thing, I, on the last episode, played like a back-to-back -back of like the bits. They're very similar. And I mean, I even remember, because I used to watch Comic View on BET, and I remember that Cat Williams bit. And then when I saw Cedric the Entertainer do it, I was like, in my, you know, young, drug-induced state being like, that's familiar. Back then, I, I was like, it's kind of the same, but it's not. But I also wasn't, I also wasn't into, I have, I well, I should say this. I hadn't done the sort of historical research into stand-up comedy back then as I have done now. Right. Um, so I, I definitely didn't have the knowledge to even second guess it or question it. But when he brought it up on the podcast, I was like, yeah, now that he's talking about it and I know both bits so well because, like I said, I watched Comic View and I remember the Comic View, the Comic View bit for Cat and the Kings of Comedy, that movie is one of my favorite pieces of stand-up whatever in history. It's so good. Yeah. As you know, rest in peace, you know, Bernie Mac from that DVD or movie or whatever, it's... It's some of the best storytelling, joke telling, stand up comedy. Uh, you know, as you know, Bernie Mac's a my, mm -hmm. he's like my Mount Rushmore of stand up comedians. Right. You know, said, I, I thought Cedric the, Cedric the Entertainer was funny and entertaining during that. And I, I enjoyed it. It was fine. I also had like some allegiance because he's a St. Louis guy. That's what I was so, ask. You know, yeah. You know, the, the connect, the St. Louis connection adds a little yeah, bit of to course. it. Yeah. yeah look at, look at St. Louis. I mean, that was a big thing. Yeah. That Kings of Comedy tour was a huge thing. The only thing bigger was the blue collar comedy tour that, you know, Larry the Cable Guy and Ron White and Foxworthy and Which uh, isn't what's that, the other isn't guy? That, uh, uh, Bill Engvall? Bill, Engvall? Is Bill, that how you yeah, say Bill, that? Bill Engvall. Isn't that the weirdest yeah. thing, though, is like those guys are the ones that Cat Williams traveled around with at the beginning of his career? The blue collar guys? Yeah. I mean, yes. Yes, but shock value, you yeah, know, if you sure. want to, but I think you also, well, here's why a guy like that blew up the way that he blew up. I, mean, I think it's the same reason that guys like Dane Cook blew up the way that they did. There was the ability to adjust to an audience. So when Dane Cook started, he started to the normal stand-up comedy crowd through Boston where he came up and then eventually went out to LA. So he had to kind of work his way through that. But then once he started gaining some notoriety, he built his own fan base, much like Cat Williams did. 
And I think it's because he really did perform with people that he didn't fit in with at all. You know, he's getting up on stage in a, in a black wife beater with his spiked up, you know, perfect hair. And he's not telling your sort of, he, he's not telling your sort of like, get in, get out, punchline, hit the punchline, get out, sort of stand up comedy jokes. Yeah. You know, he's more performing, which I think that's what Cab Williams does too. Yeah. And it built them their own fan bases. So I think it's for some guys like that, if they're able to navigate those waters and work through that, it, you know, it's huge for them. Now, obviously it's polar Cat Williams versus the blue collar comedy crowd and the fans, polar opposites. How does it even work? Right. Somehow he didn't get crucified and he's still here. And he's still talking about it. Well, I also so, don't know. I mean, that was early on. So that was before like blue collar comedy tour was a thing. So like, I don't know what kind right. of comedy those guys were doing. I know that like Larry, the cable guy was going by his original, his actual name back then. Dan Whitney. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 So I, I think there was the South connection, you know, they're all from that area. Yeah. So there was that. And, but at the same time, if you're, if you, if you want to be one of the top stand-up comedians, we know this. And and I think this is where I most connect music to stand-up comedy. If you want to be at the top, you're able to you you should be able to perform for any crowd and walk away with some new fans. Yeah. And I think Cat Williams had a great way of doing that. I mean, I think he tra- I think he translated I I I hate to keep comparing him to Dane Cook, but I think it's the energy and just the performing aspect of it that translated over to folks. It wasn't necessarily the jokes wasn't necessarily who they were. It was just their ability to get on stage and perform. I know Dane Cook's been accused of, you know, stealing jokes from Louis CK and other people. And, but when he was at his height, dude, nobody, yeah, nobody, no, nobody could touch him. Yeah, like right. Dane Cook, right? Not even close. Right. And he was a master marketer, you know, using MySpace and, you know, Guys today talk about YouTube clips and TikTok clips like they've originated this idea, like quick, quick clips. This is how we do it. It's like Dan Cook was doing that on MySpace. Yeah. Like I remember I had Dan Cook clips on my MySpace page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's <funny>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was, he was the only one doing it. Yeah. And I love stand-up comedy. Yeah. I think occasionally you would might find a David Tell clip, you know. Yeah. And some other guys, but I mean, he, he was all over MySpace. So I just remember hearing a clip, hearing a bit and thinking it was funny and just putting it in the player with the the music I had on the player at the time, right. you know? Yeah. Did people think I was a bro because of that? Probably, but that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I am a bro. But What about, um, did you hear the one-off comment that Cat Williams made about Joe Rogan and- uh, I did. That's the other thing people are him, talking and about. And him not having any funny friends on the show, basically, is what he said. Yeah. Like, do you think there's a beef between him and Rogan or you just don't think he likes Rogan? Or do you think this empire that Rogan has built has maybe, you know, Cat looks at that in a bad way or something? I, I don't know. I'm just wondering where that comment came from. Well, I think it comes from a real place. I think it comes from he he knows that that's not his his. I'm going to use the word demographic, even though that's probably not the that's, right word. That's what use, I was but, thinking. Yeah. It's like the other, it's like the other side of comedy from where he came from basically. But he right? also doesn't need Joe Rogan. That's true. You know, a lot of these yeah. guys that go on Rogan think they've, they go on Rogan. Now it's my time. Yeah. Right. Kevin Williams doesn't need to go on. He doesn't need Joe. He doesn't need. Here's the other thing about stand up comedy and Joe Rogan. A lot of these guys think if they go on Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan gives them the stamp of approval of like, you're funny and his fans do it then they're funny. Right. Right? Yeah. Cat Williams doesn't need that. Not at all. Cat Williams didn't need that 10 years ago. Right. So why does he think he needs that now? I don't think it comes from a weird... I don't think it. I don't think he has any beef against Rogan, necessarily. I don't think he needs the Joe Rogan audience. Right. And I don't think he thinks he needs the Joe Rogan audience. And I, I would argue that through all of the adversity that Cat Williams has gone through, I don't think he's ever needed it. Right. You know, when he, he fought a fucking middle schooler and it was on the internet, went viral <laughs> and he recovered from that. He didn't need Joe Rogan for that. Like <laughs> some of these guys get canceled and I'm using air quotes there and they go, they go on Joe Rogan and talk about it. Right. Right. 
this this dude fought a child on the internet <laughs> like for real <laughs> like it's just like he it, it didn't even it didn't even make a dent in his career yeah so i also think that he likely a lot of the guys that go on that show and are friends with joe and talk about well look here's the difference between them and cat and i'm going to use an example Burt Kreischer, okay? If you've paid attention to Burt Kreischer over the last few years, and I've said this on our show, he loves to talk about himself. And he makes he takes any opportunity when he's on a microphone and there are other people acknowledging his funny or his ability or anything that he's done, he runs with it. And he almost turns the conversation into a therapy session for himself. Yeah. Cat Williams doesn't. That's not how Cat Williams operates. Right. And I would argue largely that the vast majority of the urban comedy community that you would lump in with Cat Williams don't operate that way either. So they don't necessarily need to go on a show like Joe Rogan and talk about their feelings and talk about why comedy is so sacred to them and, and this and that. I, I don't... I think Cat... I think Cat holds comedy sacred, but he's going to talk shit. Yeah. He's not going to talk about his feelings, clearly. Right. You know? So I, I I liked it. I enjoyed it. It gave, it well, definitely, it gave everyone something to talk about. But at the same time, it made you think, you know, this guy's been doing it a long time. He's been at every level of the industry, whether it be Hollywood, whether it be stand-up, whether it be TV whatever, how much of this is true, you know? Yeah. So. Well, as he kept saying, like, all these guys are going to come back. Like, they're going to yeah. And uh, Shannon Sharp was like, I don't think so. Like, he's like, you're calling them out hard. Like, I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to stay away from this. He's like, no, they're going to backtrack. They're going to come on here and they're going to want to try to, to, uh, you know, re change the story and fit their own narrative. And, Unless they can't. I mean, if they can't, then, you know, why would you want to go back on a show and, you know, talk about something that you can't prove? So I don't know. I I would say the, the two the two that he mentioned that really perhaps have a reason to talk about it on a public platform, such as Shannon Sharp's podcast, would be Cedric the Entertainer, yeah. because he accused him of joke stealing. Right. And then Steve Harvey... I mean, he basically said that Steve Harvey ripped his entire fucking act off of Mark Curry. Yeah. In a roundabout way. Steve Harvey's one of the most famous people on earth. Right. Uh, you know, so for him to say that and Steve Harvey not address it would be maybe a good move on Steve Harvey's part, but it, you know, it wouldn't hurt if he did. But Steve Harvey's not necessarily now anyway known for his stand-up exactly that's what I, that's what i was gonna say like do you think that he he doesn't need to go on there and try to save face because what he does isn't stand-up anymore anyways i don't think that the career that he has now that people are going to go back and be like oh well i need to double check this and see if you know he actually did steal jokes or you know take an entire yeah. set from someone else or anything like that dude you host family feud like we're not we're not worried about that yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, the, I'll tell you what. The one person's take, and we don't have to look it up because it would, you know, it, it's a lot. But uh, Gary Owen had the most interesting. Well, he had the take that I found the most interesting on this because Gary Owen knows Steve Harvey, he knows Cedric, he knows Cat. But he also, Gary Owen's very much known for being the nice guy and he'll play the role of who he is and he doesn't talk shit about anybody. Uh, you know, he called out Monique way back yeah, a couple of years ago because, well, it was because she talked shit about a producer of a couple of movies he was in, you know, basically calling him like a sexual abuser or whatever. Gotcha. And he kind of came to his defense and he got shit on for that. You know, a lot of people didn't like that because he was a white guy talking about a black woman, but Gary Owen, he didn't choose sides on it. He's like, I know all these guys and here's, here's my take on this. And he talked about how, you know, he was asked to be on the Steve Harvey talk show and kind of got screwed out of it. And he eventually just walked away from it. But he's like, Hey, 
I'm not blaming Steve. So I want to make this very clear. So he's he toes the line. But I think if you fo- if you followed his career and you know who he is, and he probably knows more so than a lot of people. Right. But Cat Williams even talked about how like, well, that's why Gary Owen hasn't crossed over. That's why you don't see his specials on Netflix. That's why, you know, he still only has a black audience. It's because he doesn't he hasn't been uh he hasn't played the game. He's been true to himself and he doesn't uh he doesn't bend over for anybody. I I mean I guess that's a compliment, maybe. But I'm sure Gary Owen would be like, Can I get some Netflix money, please? <laughs> like uh Right. Gary Owen just put out a a podcast today where he talked about he filmed two specials in the same weekend. So I he's going to put one out and then wait a little bit and put out the other. And he's like, yeah, Netflix, he's like, I'll put out these specials and they don't even make it in the room at Netflix. And he's like, maybe because of the boom, my social media got, because I was mentioned during this cat Williams rant and yeah. the views, my videos are getting now, maybe Netflix will be interested. He's like, I, if they are fine, if they aren't great. I have my audience. I have my thing. So you have to love when guys take that approach too. Like he's, he's not, he talked about how like some people on the internet, of course, you know, are like, Oh, you're, you're using this cat Williams thing to your advantage. Like, why wouldn't I? He talked about me. Right. Exactly. But he didn't talk shit. Right. He just acknowledged the fact that, yeah, he talked he said this about me and here's why I agree. Right. So very interesting. Yeah. Like I said, he's he all of his shows are sold out. It's like massive shows, and he's adding more. So I I think he knew what he was doing. I could be wrong. Yeah. Maybe he was just like ah, I, I'm. I've had a sip of Hennessy or whatever they were drinking. <laughs> Let me go ahead and talk some shit. I don't know. <clears throat> well, speaking of stand up comedy, did you see? I mean, I posted a clip because I took. <laughs> I was watching the Golden Globes, and you made fun of me for it. But to be honest with you, the only reason I was watching is because for the first time ever, they had a stand-up comedy award, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so the whole reason I got pulled into this is because Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura talked about it on their podcast, like, hey, nominate us. We'll appreciate this more than the other guys will. And I thought it was really cheesy and kind of lame. Hang on. Did you did you just see a clip of that or were you actually listening to their podcast? It was a clip. Oh, okay. They posted a clip. Yeah, they cut up a clip. Of them talking about how it would be better if they were nominated for this because they would appreciate it more than Trevor Noah or Ricky Gervais. And Ricky Gervais, so it was Ricky Gervais, Trevor Noah, Chris Rock, Amy Schumer, Sarah Silverman, and Wanda Sykes. Is Amy, uh, I'm not, this isn't supposed to be a knock. I'm just curious because I haven't really heard her name much. Is Amy Schumer still like a, a big name in? comedy right now yeah okay i mean big enough to get nominated for a golden globe i mean but she's also on the hollywood side of okay yeah yeah the business you know so and so is chris rock i mean jesus christ yeah Yeah, yeah. but so ricky gervais won and he didn't even show up (laughs) it's like you had this first time thing if you're the golden globes why don't you just hey and he's had his history with the Golden Globes through hosting, and he had that whole thing that he did a couple of years ago where he basically called out all of Hollywood for being pedophiles and shitheads. Right. But like, if you know if you're if you know you're going to give it to him, call him and be like, "Hey, we want to give it to you. Will you show up and accept this award because it's the first time it's ever happening? It would probably, I don't know, make a good impression for you and your peers that you're there. Go hard on everybody. Right. When you accept, but just be there." He's not there. It's give it to somebody who's going to show up. And I, I'm not saying anything negative about Ricky Gervais. I like Ricky Gervais. I think he's funny. And I did watch that special that was nominated. But it's like, why did you even do it? If the first time you ever do it, the person's not there. Give the comedian the chance to get up there and be funny. I mean, yes, but there's probably other aspects involved. I mean, you can't just put the golden globes on a day that you know that Richard Gervais can be there. You know what I mean? I mean, he could be doing anything, any number of things to not well, look, be able you call to make and say, it. Hey, we want to give the award to you. Can you be there? No. All right. We're going to give it to Trevor Noah. Or we're well, going to give it to I don't Sarah know Silver. if that's the best route to go either. Just give it to a person that can make it. Uh, yeah. If they didn't, but here's my point. It. My point is this. It's the first time. I see what okay? you're saying. Yeah. 
the first time you have someone there, get up there, represent the community, and be funny. Now, Jim Gaffigan presented the award. He was funny. Called people pedophiles, which I thought was great. Nice. But he didn't win the award. Right. Do you do you like Jim Gaffigan? Yeah. I mean, I know he his, his I don't his, dislike his, him. His stand up comedy is very corny, and I get it, and that's his his shtick, but I've heard him on like quite a few podcasts too. I I like him as a person. Like he's a very real person behind the comedy. Yeah, he seems like a yeah, I mean he seems like a down to earth guy. Yeah. Played college football. Seems like a normal guy. I yeah. don't know. I don't know if that's normal. <laughs> but so I, I, my my point is, it's the first time have somebody be there that can accept and and I, make I an impression it. for the stand up community. I just thought it was so shitty. Also, I had to sit through half the goddamn award show to get to that point too. So I don't, you know. <laughs> Speaking of which, Joe Coy, who I am not a fan of. Are you a fan of him? Not really. Uh, I I haven't heard. I've only heard okay things. Like you could apparently you could definitely tell he was nervous as hell. Oh. Yeah. But he he did a couple of things that really annoyed me. The first thing he did was he he talked about his race. It's like he just let's just beat that into the ground as much as we can. Then he talked about how he didn't write all of the jokes and the only ones that are funny are the ones that he wrote. And I thought that was shitty. I just, I didn't like that at all. Some people liked it. Some people were like, yeah, if I got this on 10 days notice, I would call out people for writing me shitty jokes too. I'm like, I don't know, man. Just fucking, if they don't work, they don't work. Right. You know, I don't think he bombed like people said that he did. I don't think he was funny by any means. He called out Taylor Swift and she didn't seem to appreciate it. So I, I enjoyed that, but. But the joke was so, the joke was like a layup. It was like something about the NFL. And good news is, is the, we're, we're not going to cut to Taylor Swift as much as the NFL is right now or something like that. Yeah. And they cut to her and she's like taking a sip of wine and she like had this sort of like scowl on her face. I was like, ah, <laughs> ugh. all around gross. Yeah. But also, I, I know the answer to this, but have you seen Barbie? Okay, so it was nominated for a couple of things, and I, I was, I I heard people talk about the movie about how it was much more than just this sort of playful, lighthearted. It's a Barbie movie, like it was more about the patriarch and how she's going to take down the patriarch and, and this and that. So, so, okay, so I have had a a very very tiny interest in actually watching it, just because okay. I've heard I have heard people say like good things about it. Um, yeah. then today I actually listened to, uh, Mark Marin podcast and he had the, is it the producer that Greta, what's her name? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Had I her, he, he had her on the show, uh, recently and they, she was explaining like everything that went into the movie and now I I'm I don't want to watch it. I don't want to have to go into a watch a Barbie movie and think about how deep they go on all of this. Like I why? It's a Barbie movie. Why why do we need why why would I want to go to a movie and have to think about Because we're men and we're pieces of shit and we need to think about what we've done wrong, Cole. Well, of course we are. Of course we're pieces of shit or we're men. Or both. Both. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I saw a clip and heard somebody. It was like a comment. It was it was commentary of it, and she like makes the the Kens go to war to sort of make up for the fact that that's what we've done is just start wars throughout history. And it's just like, oh my god, yeah. I, I it's fine, it's fine. I understand what you're trying to do. Not for me. I don't yeah. care. And I'm not, it's not, the same I'm not, reason, I'm not it's dogging the same on reason, it. I'm just saying it's, as you said, it's well, not for I'm me. Well, I'm kind of dogging on it, but I won't. But, <laughs> but it's the same reason I, I don't watch, like, slave movies. You know, it seems like every couple of years there's, like, a movie, like, a slave movie. A historical period piece about slaves that comes out. And I just, 
this makes me a shithead, but I just don't, I don't, I don't want to watch it. Not, not a movie, like a fictional piece of thing. I, I don't want to watch like a, a documentary. Sure. If I'm in the right mood. Yeah. I just don't like 12 years of slave. Like I, I haven't seen that. I don't know that I'm ever going to see that movie. I haven't either. Might make me a bad person, but whatever. Well, I mean, you, I mean, we can both respect what it is, but I'm not yeah, saying it's but, not important. But, but yeah, it's just, I just yeah. prefer not to watch. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Right, um, let's, uh, let's move on to something else. Um, yeah, please. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee. Did you talk about Aaron? You talked about Aaron Rodgers a little bit on last, last week's episode, right? I did. Okay. So I talked about him bringing up Jimmy Kimmel's name for really no reason other than being a shithead and a shit disturber. Like I've said, he always has been right. So, uh, I think you have a clip. Let's pull up a clip of him. Um, so I don't know how many clips you got pulled up. Well, I know that there's one clip where Pat McAfee is talking about Aaron Rodgers has been basically, I guess, released from the show for at least until the end of the season. Is it the inside edition clip? Yeah. Um, so he, okay. he's he's been on the show, I think, like every Tuesday for a while yeah. now. And now they're trying to play it up. The media is trying to play it up like Pat McAfee is so glad that they've got rid of him and this, that, and the other. And I don't think that has anything to do with anything. I think they're just making it look that way. Yeah. Um, however, I'm not opposed to it. I don't listen to the Pat McAfee show. I do like Pat McAfee. Um, but especially with this, Aaron Rodgers is just on. I, I, do, I don't have. I've always tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. Even on this show, when me and you have talked about him, you are always the hater on him. And I've always tried to give yeah. him kind of the benefit of the doubt. And now it just, I don't know, just lately it just seems like he is what most people say he is. Well, here's the thing, man. Before I play the clip, the one thing that I said that I think is an important distinction that everyone needs to make. He can go on any show and say what he wants. Yeah. And suffer the consequences or or, or face the backlash. The biggest problem that I have is that it's Pat McAfee's show and he doesn't call him on it. Right. He doesn't see he doesn't ask, well, why Jimmy Kimmel? Why did that name come out of your mouth? And that's the point I made on the last show. It's I feel like it's very irresponsible on Pat McAfee's part and the rest of his staff's part to not question why these things are being said. Right. Because at the at the end of the day, that show is no different than the show you and I are doing right now. If you're not going to question your guests about the things they're saying on your show. Well, then it's not a news show. It's not a commentary show. It's just simply guys talking shit. Right. That's all it is. And, and but the, he's toe the line as to being, you know, being called a journalist and wanting to be called a journalist. And, you know, they have this disclaimer on a show like the things we're saying are our opinions. Don't sue us. We're just guys tell you guys being guys. But it's like, are you? Right. You're on ESPN. Right. You signed a contract. You know that you have bosses now. You're a company man now. Yeah. Check, so check, if you want to be the company account. man. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to be the company man for the world's largest sports network where people are supposed to question things, because that's what journalism is. That's what journalists do. They question everything. Then you would do that on your show and you would do this to this guy. But he right. didn't. Right. So... And now I didn't I didn't watch that whole episode or anything, but from the clips that I've seen and whether they're just trying to make it look that way or not, it just seems like he pulled the name Jimmy Kimmel out of nowhere, right? Pretty much. Like they weren't even talking about Jimmy Kimmel. And he pull and he pulled his name out of nowhere talking about the Epstein list. Yeah, and that's the thing I said. I I don't know if they have if he has some sort of beef with Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know where that came from. And I I did obviously did not do the research to find that out. I mean, so me I haven't seen anything that linked him to him. You know, when Jimmy Kimmel made his statement, there was no sort of like, here's the history between this. So what, what's it your, what's your thoughts? Said. What's your thoughts on Jimmy Kimmel's reply? Uh, it was necessary. Do you think the, uh, the threat of uh lawsuit 
was necessary? Well, I thought that was a little bit maybe premature because it was a throwaway line during a show, but obviously went viral or had the potential to go really viral if people kept talking about it. I mean, we're, I mean, so we're, maybe we're, you get ahead but, of but, it. But, but we're talking about something huge. I mean, I understand it was a throwaway line, yeah, but yes, it went viral. And, you know, uh, Kimmel even said, like, you're like, this isn't just me. This is my family that you're putting at risk for saying something like that. Right. And I mean, like I said, th- th- that's that's huge. Like, that, that's a huge thing, especially with that list or that list supposedly um, was supposed to be coming out, which I guess everybody overreacted on that, too. It wasn't the actual list. Yep. It was just some people that were. Uh, intertwined in it, I guess, but right. But anyways, yeah. That- I mean, I I think if you're Jimmy Kimmel, you get ahead of it and you respond, threatening lawsuits. Uh, you know, it's 2024. It's kind of the norm at this point, right? I guess. I so here's this Inside Edition clip. Let's see what this is about. I have not watched this yet. Has been sacked just one day after his non-apology to Jimmy Kimmel. Rogers has been given the boot from Pat McAfee's popular ESPN show, and among those who say they are pleased is McAfee himself. Bye bye, Aaron Rodgers. ESPN sports personality Pat McAfee is done with the drama, announcing today that Aaron Rodgers would not appear on his show for the rest of the football season, and he sounded relieved. I'm pumped that that is no longer going to be every single Wednesday of my life. McAfee says he believes that his viewers will be See, that's delighted. bogus. I hate, yeah, that I, was cut ha- up. I hate that so much. That was cut up. That and was if, bullshit. if you can't read what just happened, I, uh, it's it's gross. But yeah, anyways. fuck Inside Edition. That was irresponsible. I, look, just say that he might be relieved, and he, he might be. Right. He might be. You know, eventually things get bigger than you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you have to cut you have to cut your losses. But yeah, to cut it up like that is bullshit. I don't know. Here, maybe I'll... I think they do the it. They do another one. Rogers won't appear anymore. There's gonna be a lot of people that are happy with that. Myself included, to be honest. With the way <laughs> it ended, it got real loud. Mm-hmm. And uh real loud. I'm happy that that is not gonna be my mentions going forward, mm-hmm. which is great news. Rogers' last appearance was Tuesday when he sidestepped an apology to Jimmy Kimmel after suggesting last week that Kimmel might be on a list of associates of convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Turns out Kimmel was not on any list. As long as he understands what actually said and uh, that I'm not accusing him of uh, being, uh, being on a list, I'm not stupid enough to accuse you of that with absolutely zero evidence. There was widespread disbelief that a show on ESPN would go after a top ABC personality like Kimmel. But isn't that exactly what he did? Isn't that what? Isn't that exactly what he did? Like that apology is bullshit. Like that's he did exactly what you're kind of sidestepping away from. Yeah, he's a dummy. Like and that's that's my you know what you're doing by having him on and talking about these, you know, you know, that's his character now. That's the guy he is. He brings up these things. He talks about these things and it stirs up controversy. That's that's why you have him on. Does he have some insight about football? Sure. Does he have some insight about, you know, reacting to the NFL and being able to add commentary where it needs to be? Sure. But at the end of the day, you know what this is. Everyone knows what this is. Yeah. And ABC are owned by Disney. It's hard for me to believe that ESPN didn't really put a whole lot. I can't stand this guy, by the way. I, I did, don't know who he is. On make- I follow him on Twitter. He's one of these guys that he, it's everything is very, not everything, but a lot of the things that he says and reports and he has a very condescending way about him that just drives me nuts. It, but it, it, that's, Honestly, that's sports commentary, sports journalism these days. You have to, there's no, like, let's just state the facts. It's got to be, you have to put your own spin on it. You have to put your own thing. And it's like, can you just say what it is and just move on? Like, do you really need the extra 1,500 clicks on your Twitter post? Right. I don't know. This happened, and it was not a sole decision 
from Pat McAfee. The Aaron Rodgers controversy has been the talk of the airwaves. Charles Barkley weighed Hang on. in on CBS hey, hey, Mornings. To uh, did you, oh my God, uh, rewind like five seconds and pause it. Right, right there. That's good. Do you read that? Aaron Rodgers, Super Bowl champ, four-time NFL MVP, ayahuasca enthusiast. That's what Pat McAfee has. That what? On show. That's from the Pat McAfee show. He he puts that on there. Why? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it's goofy. Uh, wow. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So that means he's a fucking quack, but that's fine. <laughs> Rogers controversy has been the talk of the airwaves. Charles Barkley weighed in on CBS Mornings today. If Aaron Rodgers had said that about you, implied that you had been on the Epstein list, how would you handle that? I'd punch him in the face. ESPN tells us cutting Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Also, is Charles Barkley's face falling? Yeah, I don't know. Do you notice that? Yeah, he's uh looking odd these days. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't. Uh, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I didn't like him as a football player. I didn't like the things I heard about him as a football player. I don't like him as just a dude in society talking about the things around us. Did you I don't. did you see the whole uh conspir the Super Bowl conspiracy that he put out there too? No. So he said a couple weeks ago, I think he said that uh the he didn't exactly say that the Super Bowl is predetermined. But he kind of did because he said, if you look at the logo and the colors of the logo, it deter it shows you who is going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, and so there's what are the colors this year? Purple and red. So everybody's assuming it's going to be Baltimore and San Fran. Mm. Um, two years ago, it the color was yellow and yellow and orange, and it was the Rams and Cincinnati. Rams and Cincinnati. Yep. And then last year it was red and green. Kansas Chiefs City and, and Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I, just... I, I don't fall into the scripted theory, but it, it that does hold a little, I mean, it's a little odd. Now I haven't, I haven't gone back farther than that to see if it all, if it always holds up, but those three years is pretty interesting and it could definitely be yeah. Baltimore and St. Fran this year for sure. When the Browns win the Super Bowl this year, they're gonna going to disprove it. <laughs> you and Aaron Rodgers to eat shit. Okay, that's what I, let me just say that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's interesting. I don't know. That's not something I want to look into because I don't ever, 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 ever want to believe that any major sporting event like that is fixed ever, ever, ever. I've and even listen, if it came listen, out that I, I, it was, I would. Still, be like, nah, it's fine. I would treat it like professional wrestling. Like, it's not predetermined. I have, for the longest, like, like I've been contemplating this for a long time, and I'm the same way as you. I don't want to even think that it's possible that anything could be rigged in that in that way. But no. and the reason I say that is because like there we have to be so many people involved for that to happen. But uh, yeah, but as negligent as refs have been in the past few years and as horrible of calls as you see, it, it, it makes you wonder, dude, like that, like that whole Detroit and Dallas game and the eligible player and that they took it, that game away from the Lions. The Lions won that game. Like stuff like that, but also for a game to be to get that close and to have an ending like that it's almost impossible to make you know what i mean for everything to lead that's up gonna be to my that point. point you can't you can't fix something just based on one right individual yeah. play or one individual bad call right. you would have to fix the entire thing right the entire thing would have to be scripted yeah you can't make it come that down to be... a two-point conversion there's no, no possible no, way no, no, no. no way no way you can't, yeah, I mean, that. I mean, look, if everybody's in on it, I guess you could. I guess you could. Smoke and Joe ain't going to be in on shit. That's what I can tell you. And um, The world's greatest quarterback yeah. ain't fixing shit. <laughs> All right? 
Just letting you know. Yeah. But also, <clears throat> if you think about like the uh, take like the New England and Atlanta, uh, the 27 to 3 Super Bowl. Yeah. You can't tell me that that was supposed to go that way. There's no possible way in the world that you can just say, okay, well, Atlanta's just going to not do anything now and New England's going to score, you know, 30 straight points or whatever it was. Yeah, I'll give you a better one. How about the Rams versus the Patriots? The Super Bowl that the Rams lost to the Patriots. Yeah. And they literally, it was because they didn't give the ball to Marshall Falk. Yeah. Like, they would show replays where there's like, oh, there's a clear lane. There's a clear lane. Why aren't they handing off? Why aren't they handing the ball off? Why aren't they? I mean, I just think at, at but, the end of the but, day, it comes to but then making. You, but then you also have games like the Seahawks where they didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson tried to throw. And well, that's, that's my point. It's like, I think, I think. <laughs> I don't think that that is, is a work. I, th- I just think it's poor judgment. I know. I agree. I agree. Crucial times where you need to make the best decisions and you didn't make the best decision. I, I, that's what I want to believe. Anyway, yeah. the Seahawks one is bad. That one was bad. I didn't even watch that. I was actually in the recording studio during that Super Bowl and I had a, uh, a little like thing on my phone giving me like live updates. I remember we're in there and I'm just remember thinking, oh, they're driving, they're going to win. The, the, the Marshawn Lynch, they're going to win, they're going to win, they're going to win. And I just remember we're doing something, we're doing some conversation, conversation. And I looked at my phone. They lost? I was like, how the fuck did they lose? So we went out to a TV and like, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, not a TV, a computer, and went to YouTube and found somebody's replay. And we're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that is just. Anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, it's fine. 